Welcome, ghastly ghouls, to Know Things Cozy with Bat and Killian, a podcast about everything cold, sharp, and frightening. Today, we're diving into the haunted history of Halloween with a wicked writer, the ghost host of the queer horror podcast Dead for Filth, and deadly director of the competition reality show Dragula, Michael Verratti. Hello. Welcome. Welcome, third timer. I know, cozy vet. I know, I'm excited. I feel like this is part of my annual Halloween tradition It's now. part of our annual Halloween tradition. Look forward to it every year? We couldn't do a Halloween episode without you. Well, I uh, consider that to be a great honor and something that I will carry you know, with, with the respect it deserves. So. <laughs> yeah, it's an Thank honor. You. We started out today's recording the same way we do every time we record together, which is spend 30 minutes trying to get the technology to work. It was truly terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if I bring ghosts with me. I think you do, uh, and yeah. they just so. leap into the microphones, into the computer. But we're here. We're here. We're good. It's recording Fingers right now. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully the ghouls of Halloween will cooperate with us. To get started, we're going to check in with what's making us feel spooky this week. Mine's actually truly spooky. I came across an article about a haunted house, an extreme haunted house, where you have to sign a medical waiver. You have to go through a mental health screening. It's called McKamey Manor. Have you heard of it? No. I I, I, I vaguely heard of this. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, they had one in San Diego, and then the guy had to move it to rural Tennessee. And you have to, like I said, go through a mental health screening um, have a letter signed by your doctor. You have to be interviewed by the guy who runs it. And the guy who runs it, it's kind of a weird backstory. Essentially, it's a place where you go to get tortured and no one's made it through. The longest that someone's made it through is 20 to 25 minutes. And if you make it through the end, you get $20,000. Oh my God. But it's more like this guy's twisted fantasy that he gets to enact. And I'm surprised that it's even legal and, and there's i went on like a reddit wormhole and there's a lot of controversy s- surrounding it and videos of these people going into into this house and the torture does seem really extreme i don't get so cozy podcast but i think i've heard about this place there's a documentary that netflix put out last year called haunters i believe that's all about haunted house oh, culture yeah, yeah. that's been on my list for a full year yeah and um if i recall this this particular place as you're talking is one of the haunts that they discuss oh really and uh they they really go into the details of sort of like the psychological anguish that some of the people who go through i i myself don't understand why you would sign up to do that but that's um yeah because you have to go through uh, not only do you have to go through the medical and health uh, mental health screenings you also have to go through hour-long interviews with this guy and i think they created another haunted house and you have to pass through this new haunted house to get to the main one now and i was reading some people who went through it or got at least through some part of it and their experiences were from what I've read, really, really horrifying. He basically kidnaps you and does a whole torture fantasy. It's a little dark. But what really spooked me was thinking about what goes on in that house because you really don't know the specifics and the who is this guy and what is he really getting out of it. And so I was spent hours just researching this and going on Reddit just traveling down a big hole. It does creep me out just to think about what's the angle here and why would you go through this and what kind of people sign up for it. And 
So many questions. People are essentially paying to be terrorized, but yeah. not like in the way when you like, you know, your math teacher and like grease paint and a Dracula cape leaps out at you. No, <laughs> it seems quite a bit more. Yeah. yeah and, and, and there's a lot of, you know, clickbaity articles, get $20,000 to go through this, you know, haunted house when in reality, the backstory is so much more intriguing. That's and really creepy. disturbing. Yeah. yeah. I've never really understood those extreme haunted houses. I barely understand the regular scary ones. I love Halloween, but haunted houses themselves have always sort of eluded me. I'm sure, I think I've discussed this before on our Halloween episodes, but it's been a long time. I actually just went to Universal Horror Nights for the first time ever, which is like the first kind of Halloween haunted house experience I've had in a long time. Right. And I got through it. I learned some Scary. strategies. If you actually make eye contact with the performers and stroll through, like they have scare zones in the park, they actually don't bother you. And if you play along with them... It becomes kind of goofy versus mm-hmm. scary, and they don't sneak up on you. Because, and what you absolutely should not do if you're in one of these parks and you don't like being scared is do not look at your phone, first of all, because they love sneaking up on people who are oh, on their yeah. devices. Right. But second of all, don't scream. Don't like act scared because it, they've actually been trained to scare you more when you, when you are scared because it makes everyone else have a good time. So <laughs> don't do that. Just be, stroll through like you own the place. So going through the toxic tunnel was like horrifying for me. Oh, but I just toxic acted, tunnel. I acted like I liked it and it was fine. Yeah. And, Creepy. Yeah. I'm a really bad participant of haunted houses because uh, it takes a lot to you know, scare me, mm-hmm. I guess. And I'm more so always just interested by the mechanics of it yeah. all. Uh, and I, I deal with spooky things on a day-to-day basis my whole year round. So I like going to see them, but I always feel like I don't give the scare actors what they need because they'll like mm-hmm. jump out at me and I'll be like, oh. I see. And then you can like, kind of see them just be like, oh, great. Yeah, this yeah. guy. So Yeah, I'm also <laughs> curious about the scare actors. Are they paid minimum wage or they go through training? You know, that's it's just... The, I'm, the characters. I, yeah. The characters. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I am curious about that whole cult, that whole culture. I mean, I imagine they have to hire I think you have to scream pretty thoroughly because these are people who are going to have like... I mean, the, the weapons that they're holding aren't necessarily deadly, but they could be if they're used yeah. a certain way. Well, especially so like, in that, that tunnel, they're just swinging them around willy-nilly. Yeah. I mean... And if you're going to put, like, something that could bludgeon somebody in their in their hands and they're in a context where they could do anything... I noticed that they're being watched all the time. Oh, I didn't. And people are recording them all the time in case of any kind of lawsuit situation. So they're always being recorded. So That's that if anyone, if anyone ever claimed, like this person hurt me, they have video to refer to. Right. Well, I mean, it, it is such a kind of tenuous legal place where, uh, you know, they're leaping out at you. They're invading your personal space. That's why a lot of these uh, haunts have sort of the contracts that you sign or you opt in mm-hmm. to uh, physical interaction yeah. with them because some people don't want to be touched. And you know, I think the actors are being watched to make sure you don't touch people who mm-hmm. aren't supposed to. Right. I think by and large, they're, they're more like experiences than actually scary because of all of that. Because if you go in with uh, the idea in mind that it can be as controlled as you as you want it to be Mm -hmm. it's more like you're just bearing witness yeah and submitting to the fantasy yeah that that's kind of what i had to keep reminding myself pretty much exactly like that which is i'm just in a horror movie right and it's unfolding in front of me i'm not participating in it really exactly speaking of horrible things (laughs) (laughs) in a good way things that are are related to horror dragula is the thing that's making me feel spooky this week and if you're not familiar with Dragula, it's a reality show. It's a competition by the Boulay brothers. Yes. Who are drag queens. 
I mean, the easiest comparison to make is RuPaul's Drag Race. Sure. But what I really love about Dragula is, first of all, it's all about horror. So these are, how would you classify them? Like horror queens or well, what's, I w- what's the term for them? Uh, I would say they are uh, drag monsters. Drag monsters, that's uh, right. But also, too, um, they are drag competitors because, mm-hmm. uh, especially with this season, we don't have just drag queens. That's right. There's uh, a drag king. Yeah, we have a drag king and we uh, have a uh, assigned female at birth, non-binary uh, drag performer as well. Uh, it's Halloween, uh, and they uh, they perform uh, in drag, and so like it is not just the idea of of male to female gender illusion anymore. It's it's just where are all the uh, where are all the places that drag can go yeah. and the adoption of the persona. But yeah, they all they all kind of have a foot in the world of spooky, mm-hmm. and uh, they're challenged on a weekly basis to create drag performances and drag uh, aesthetics that uh, speak to certain challenges within the world of horror and filth and glamour, uh, like vampires or uh, supervillains, things like that. Exactly. And so the reason I'm, I'm asking Michael for <laughs> clarification is because mm-hmm. Michael worked extensively on the show. He directed episodes. But I'm not bringing this up just because you're on the show. I mean, it's a it's a good occasion to, mm-hmm. but I truly am like that is my daily show. I've been watching for the last like week or week and a half or so. Like every day, I watch an episode, and it's making the season feel spooky for me. When I've been kind of desperate for like just bite sized TV content yeah. that right. feels like it's Halloween. So Dracula has been great for that sort of daily dose of Halloween content I need in October. I love the show. First of all, for the reason that you mentioned, which is it's broader than a show like Drag Race, so that it, it encapsulates more types of drag performance. Mm-hmm. And I gotta say, like Landon Sider, the drag king on the show, really won me over in terms of drag kings and these drag competitions. I'll just confess to the fact that, like, when I imagined a drag king on, say, like RuPaul's Drag Race. I was like, well, what would they do? Like, what kind of, how dramatic could the makeup be? What would the story be in terms of their look? And it's so great to be proven wrong. I'm watching Land Cider and I'm like, oh, this is really dramatic. And you can go so fully drag in a male way. Yeah. And it is really over the top, just the same way that you can do over the top woman. And it, no, yeah. No, it's great. And Landon, uh, he really brings such remarkable artistic vision to all of the looks that uh he he presents each yeah. week. Uh I you know many times was just astounded by uh the level of 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 innovation that they all brought. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh you know speaking to the point that uh you're making there was uh in one of the episodes during one of their confessionals Landon is talking about the process of preparing uh, to transform into a drag king as opposed to dra- transforming into a drag queen is almost exactly the same. You're mm-hmm. just taping up and painting different parts of yourself to create an illusion. And uh, I liked that because he basically was saying, I know what the perspective is to the larger community, but there's still so much that goes into this. And uh, he I, has been kicking butt and, and you know, really taking names i think yeah absolutely and watching landon perform there's no excuse for in my opinion for rupaul's drag race not to include drag kings i agree i it's it's obvious now i i I totally see it what i also about dragula though is the story that watching rupaul's drag race you get served looks so the the drag queens have like Mm. cool looks they look cool yeah but that's not enough for dragula you have to come out and tell a story with your performance and every single like vampire 
or rock star or supervillain, they come on and they have to perform a story that goes along with it because there has to be a reason it's scary, right? Yes. Yeah. It's so much more n- satisfying in a narrative way, and I think it, that especially makes the show worth watching. So I really, I really love that element of Dracula. It was really incredible to be part of too, because uh, I always tell people, no matter how cool it looks on TV, when you were standing like two feet away oh. from someone when they walk out on stage, and you know they're dressed as a mariachi vampire yeah. or a you know supervillain with. Uh, strings pulling on their skin and it was just watching that like right in front of you it felt felt like being transported to the worlds that they were creating Mm -hmm. it was not just witnessing drag it was this is a vampire goddess this is the super villain that every hero fears and it was it was just a great experience and uh it was fun working with all of the competitors and with the boules and uh the remarkable array of guest judges that we had I was on set and worked on every single episode, so I, I have seen all of it, and I have to tell you, it's uh, it was a journey in, uh, in the best way. So. Well, thank congratulations. you. Congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. I'm really thank enjoying you. it, so well, thanks thank for you. all your hard thank work. You. So, Michael, what is making you feel spooky this week? Well, you know, uh, with this in mind, the idea that I, I worked on Dragula for most of the year, uh, you know, for listeners who have heard me come on for Halloween in the years past, uh, spooky things and scary things are part of my work, whether it be Dead for Filth and talking about intersection of queer identity and horror, or making horror movies, or working on horror TV shows. Uh, so there's always a little bit of Halloween aesthetic in my whole year. So I always try and find something in the month of October to really bolster that. Or like maybe remind me why I love this so much. And I tend to always uh, dig into revisiting horror movies that I love. And I like will marathon old films, uh, the films of the 70s and the 80s that meant something to me to kind of just... Uh, Reimmerse myself into that aesthetic. And uh, I've been doing a lot of just uh, in my spare time uh, little horror movie marathons for myself, and that's been making me feel spooky. But I knew you were going to ask me this question, mm-hmm. and I actually was revisiting a movie from the 80s called Slumber Party Massacre, yes, huh. which uh, was produced by Roger Corman, but had has the distinction in a time when this didn't happen very often that it was written by a woman and directed by a woman, and every subsequent sequel in the franchise uh, also did. So like, every, every movie in the Slumber Party Massacre uh, franchise was helmed by uh, female filmmakers, and that was so not part of the landscape then, and of course we've always needed that, and, we, and mm-hmm. I'm, I, it was a super badass feminist film. Uh, but something that caught my attention on this rewatch is that uh, the original Slumber Party Massacre was written by a woman named Rita Mae Brown, and I was like, I know that name. So I did a oh little research. Sne- sneaky Brown. And uh, sneaky although you cannot see it, listeners, I did a little uh, adventure to the Iliad. And oh. I brought our hosts some books oh, <laughs> for you. Halloween season written by Rita Mae Brown, who now is a cozy mystery That's author. Right. That she writes with her cat, Sneaky Pie Brown. Oh my and uh, yeah, so she has transitioned from horror icon to cozy mystery authoress. And what better thing for the spooky season wow. than that? So well, well, thank you for bringing the books, Is she Michael. available for interviews? Yeah, Rita Mae Brown is what is making wow. me feel spooky this year and cozy as well. What an interesting piece of trivia. Yeah, she pretty much has your career trajectory. <laughs> <laughs> When's the cozy mystery coming out? At some point, I hope. <laughs> But yes, I found, I, I immediately, the second I realized this is the same person who wrote Slumber Party Massacre, I went to uh, our local bookstore 
and I found copies of uh, her books to bring to both of you. And I'll let you fight over which ones. Oh, thank you so <laughs> much. Thank you so much, That's Michael. So I really appreciate that. Wow, who knew? It makes sense in a certain way because so many of the authors you interview, they do come from like... They have very interesting, varied yeah, backgrounds. And oftentimes, I feel like at least half of them started writing straight thriller, like mm-hmm. scary stuff. Or paranormal. Or paranormal, spooky things. And I guess it's not that far from... It is still murder, it after is. all. Well, and you know, even though she would probably be considered more mainline mystery than cozy mystery, I think that Agatha Christie certainly is sort of the cornerstone by which a lot of modern mystery is based. Yeah. And especially, you know, you can see with Miss Marple and even Poirot to some extent, kind of laying the groundwork for the cozy mystery authors that came. Because there's always this some sort of gathering of people who mm-hmm. are like personalities and. Uh, you know, uh, and Agatha Christie was very interested in uh, the paranormal and uh, wrote a great number of books about seances and spookery. So um, <laughs> it's, I think, is part of the proud tradition of mystery and coziness. Well, I can't wait to read them. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so Exciting. much. Exciting. Thank you. Are you ready to dive into some haunted Halloween history? I would love to. Yeah. So as much as I would love to monologue about Halloween history... It wouldn't create much of a dialogue between people talking on a podcast. So um, I've created a Halloween trivia quiz. Okay. And it consists of 10 questions. And there's a tiebreaker just in case. All right. You'll be playing Michael and Jillian as a team. Okay. And your goal is to get as many answers correct as possible. If you get more answers correct than not, then you get to choose the fortune telling game that we play later in the episode. All right. If I win, which means you get too many wrong, it's mm-hmm. over five wrong, I get to choose what okay. the fortune telling game is and who plays it. Okay. Okay. Uh. <laughs> is that clear? Yeah. Yes. If you want to have some choice in your fate, <laughs> you must pass this quiz I'm on ready. Halloween history. I'm excited. Here we go. Question one. The origins of Halloween can be traced back to which Celtic harvest festival? A. Soma. B. Kilorglin. C. Samhain. Or D. Pomona. Okay, I I trust Michael. It's C. Samhain. That's correct. (laughs) Thank you. It is Samhain. You wouldn't know it's... I got the A team over here. (laughs) (laughs) I had to hear somebody say it in a YouTube video. Because it looks like it's spelled Samhain. Samhain, yes. And some people do pronounce it that way, just for general. Which isn't basically the Irish word for November. Mm-hmm. And it's a pagan religious festival originating from an ancient Celtic spiritual tradition. So in modern times, Samhain is usually celebrated from the 31st to November 1st to welcome in the harvest. And it's considered to be that time of year when the veil between the living and the dead is thinnest. Right. And so, you, you know, you might get spirits interacting with you in the real world. And so this is the, the harvest festival that really has most of the traditions that we even currently associate with Halloween, that Samhain sort of originated most of them. Right. But, you know, conquerors are going to conquer. And As they do. the Romans invaded Britain, and they uh, conquered Celtic territory as well. And so the Roman tradition started to blend with the customs of Samhain, which leads us to question two. Okay. So, so far... You're winning. We'll see how long this lasts. Mm -hmm. Which still popular autumnal activity did the Romans bring with them from one of their fall festivals, a day honoring the goddess Pomona? Is it A, pumpkin carving, B, bobbing for apples, C, trick-or-treating, 
or D, corn mazes? I'm going to... It's bobbing for apples. I think so, too. <laughs> I, I know it's not this, pumpkin is it, carving. This is too easy for Michael. <laughs> I know it's... I, all, the, all the thing I know is I know it's not pumpkin carving. I no, know for not. sure. Yeah. Well, you're right. It's bobbing for apples. Pomona is the goddess of fruit and yes. trees. And so apples are the perfect device with which to honor Pomona, I guess. Um, I have a feeling you can't outsmart Michael. <laughs> well, I, you know, there's, there's plenty that I don't know. So we'll, we'll find out. I have a feeling that you'll, you'll make it through, but maybe not. We'll see. That's the horror movie surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Never get too comfortable. So bobbing for apples started to mix in with those Samhain traditions. And then there were more changes to the holiday. When Emperor Constantine put an end to the persecution of Christians in the Roman Empire, Christianity spread, and these pagan traditions were viewed as a threat. Yes. Popes rebranded the holiday. Mm-hmm. They moved it from May. They moved it back. Moved it around, all around the calendar before they realized they couldn't beat them, so they might as well join them. So they put it back where it was. Um, but they rebranded it in terms of name and, and the focus. Uh, and now November 1st was called All Hallows Day making the night of the 31st All Hallows' Eve, or Halloween, Halloween, right. um, which we now condense to that, Halloween. Which brings me to my third question. What is a hallow? Is it A, a saint, B, an empty cavity, C, an angel, or D, an apple? Um, it would be a saint, because now November 1st is All Saints' Day. That's right. That's the other name for the holiday, All Saints' okay. Day. Um, All Hallows Day, same thing, right? Hallows a saint or anything holy, yeah. really. That's why you bury like uh, demon bones in hallowed ground mm. to, to stop them sense. from haunting. And so November 1st was, was made All Saints Day, and then November 2nd was All Souls Day to honor the, the dead. De- Question number four. Ready. You're, you're killing it so I far. <laughs> I hope you're learning a lot, having fun. You're not really learning anything. I'm learning because a lot. You're <laughs> absolutely killing it. All right, four. Halloween traditions continued to grow, including the carving of which fruit or vegetable into jack-o'-lanterns? A, pumpkins, B, apples, C, potatoes, or D, turnips? This is a trick question. It is turnips. Yes, I knew it. You knew it? Yeah. Congratulations, you're four for four. Yes. So originally, pumpkins were not carved as jack-o'-lanterns. That happened later when Irish people immigrated to the United States and discovered there was a much easier thing to carve than a turnip. Stingy jack Yes, this is. Are we gonna? Are we gonna dig you into Jack? You spoiled my fifth question because <laughs> most people don't know that. Which yeah, is, yeah, it's but it's, it's like a general. Yeah, and it's like a very yeah, it's kind of a convoluted story as well, which I find interesting. So Jillian just got the fifth Sorry. question. So the fifth question is, you know, why are turnips and now pumpkins called jack o' lanterns? And it's is named after Stingy Jack, a character from an Irish folktale. You've already gotten five out of five. You're determining. Who, what, the who's going to do the, of the mankind? The oh fate, no, the, uh, no, the, the fortune teller. <laughs> yeah. The fortune right. teller thing. Yes, Jillian. Since your history tidbit was going to be, be Stingy Jack. Oh boy! Can you share with us uh, the tale of Stingy Jack? Well, I hope I don't. And and why we have jack o' lanterns? Get confused, but um, basically, there Stingy Jack was a guy who was very, um, you know, deceiving <laughs> and cunning, and he was at a bar and he wanted to. He wanted a tree. He was having a drink with the devil, and he asked the devil to turn to a coin so he could pay for the drink. But in reality, he tricked the devil, and when he became a coin, he affixed it to a crucifix, I believe, or kept a, a crucifix in his pocket and put the coin in there and trapped the yes. devil effectively. Mm-hmm. So he trapped the devil, and he wanted to make a, a deal with him to, for him not to bother him for at least a year. 
And then he, this devil is apparently very, very gullible. <laughs> um, next, next scene they're at is in a, an, with an apple cut tree. To. Cut, cut <laughs> to an apple, an apple tree. And um, he, the devil comes to take him and he's like, before you take me, can you give me an apple from the tree? So the devil goes up into the tree. Once again, very gullible. And um, he places a crucifix on the tree from what I can, can recall. So the devil's trapped once again. And so he's like, now you have to promise me that um, you won't accept me into hell. So he thinks it's, you know, he's effectively giving, gaining entrance into heaven. So he lets the, once the devil promises, he, and he also says, I'll devour for me for 10 years. I believe that's also part of it. So he lets the devil uh, free. And so when it comes to his time to die, he goes to heaven as God says, you can't come in because you've been so deceptive and cunning. You're just obviously not a nice person. So he goes to hell and the devil says, well, we made a deal. I can't accept you into hell. So now he just has to wander the earth for eternity, but it's so dark he can't see. So the devil is kind, throws him an ember, one act of, I guess, kindness. And so he hollows out a turnip because it was his favorite food and he carried it everywhere apparently. So he puts the ember in the hollowed out turnip and he just wanders the earth as a little turnip. That's right. And that's Jillian's very choppy... No, that's perfect. It also explains the natural phenomenon of lights over swamps and bogs right. that appear, mm-hmm. or like will-o'-the-wisps. And that's was said to be the Jack's lantern in the dark. Yeah, and then when... With um, this coal from... An ember from hell. And the way... Uh, you know, obviously when the Irish came over to the U.S., they discovered it was easier to use pumpkins and they mm-hmm. had more depth to work with right. than a yeah. turnip. <laughs> a lot of our traditions from Halloween, uh, for Halloween, come from Ireland uh, and Irish, you know, folklore. Which is really cool. So, technically, this is one of the coolest Irish holidays. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good way to look at it. We should start saying, kiss me, I'm Irish on Halloween. Kill me, I'm Irish. There it is. <laughs> yeah, k- Killian. <laughs> Branded. Okay. So, this next one was going to be a gimme. Okay. You didn't. You don't need a gimme, but here it is anyway. Around the time jack-o'-lanterns were first recorded as being part of Halloween celebrations, that's around the 17th century, 16th century, guising or dressing in costumes and going door-to-door reciting songs or verses in exchange for food for your Samhain feast became popular. Aside from getting free treats, why else did people guise? Is, is this going to be multiple choice or can we just say... So, you know what? I'm going to have it be open answer because you don't need multiple choice questions. So, wh- why do people guys? Well, because this is the time of year where the veil between the land of the living and the dead is the thinnest. So, when you wear a costume, people can't tell the difference between who's dead and who's alive, and it keeps you safe. That's right. So, for hmm. one is for protection yes. from, from spirits. Michael's got one reason. Do you have another reason, Julian? You know what? I don't. Um, <laughs> well, it's also, <laughs> if honest. you're like a right and proper bad boy or girl or person who is causing treats and a bit tricks when you're asking for treats, it hides your identity. That's, I don't know. If, that was another oh. one of my options. It's easier to do well, mischief there you in go. disguise. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Also, this is kind of where the trick-or-treating kind of traditions or S started to begin. So in Southern Ireland, they would have a, one person who would dress as a white mare and all the youth would follow this horse, a really guy with like oh. a, sk- a horse skull and there'd be like a white drape around it to collect food from the um, farmers for the Samhain feast. And if you didn't, it was bad fortune for you in a karmic way. But also being in disguise as they were moving around, you could also, they would also do mischievous things to farmers who didn't give food. And probably you did give food. They were causing problems. Right. Um, 
which is where some of the pranks started. Um, and especially in England, that caught on, and people were like just kind of doing that just to, to do mischief. Causing um, trouble. Mm-hmm. And so that's one possible origin for trick-or-treating. Another one is the uh, giving out of soul cakes on um, All Saints Day or All Souls Day, where mm. you um, recite a verse or a prayer and you get a soul cake or you give that out to the children and the poor. Do we have a recipe for soul cake? Ooh, I, I found a couple. There's also fortune-telling cakes where you bake in a bunch of charms and whatever you get in your slice I like that. is your like fate. I feel like that's kind of dubious, though, because, like, what if I just want to, like, really dig into that cake? Then and you then have it, a lot of fates. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of things true. going on that year. Right. <laughs> hmm. have to make a soul cake this year. That's right. Yeah. Would there be, like, a jam involved? Like... They looked... When I was looking at soul cakes, they looked pretty dry. They're... they're, they're Makes sense for Ireland. <laughs> yeah. Speaking um, like as Irish bread. myself, yeah. yeah. I like potato bread, though. Oh, yeah. yeah, the soul cakes are different from the cake that's a fortune-telling cake. I for, They have different... The fortune-telling cake looks like it would be kind of tasty. The soul cakes look kind of flat. And, uh-huh. I don't know. I don't really know what I'm talking about, but I just based on pictures... Down a bread. <laughs> Could we, like, add a jam? <laughs> yeah. I'm very sure. committed to a Any, jam. Yeah. Here. You, could be, um, you could be mischievous and in costume do it. Oh, yeah. Spooky jam. <laughs> a framing um, preserve. So now we've arrived at pranks. Pranks okay. are starting Ooh. to be associated with the holiday and mischief. Um, and many communities, um, particularly once Halloween became popular in the United States, and especially after in- industrialization hit, and Halloween parties in the 20s and 30s were huge, and then after sugar rationing went away in the 50s when World War II ended, now a bunch of kids, you know, the baby boom, a lot of stuff was going on where, like, candy and trick-or-treating became huge. Right. With the rise of trick-or-treating in the 50s, so too rose pranks, even, and that was happening, too, in the 20s and 30s. And communities were worried about vandalism, and sometimes deaths were occurring because of all the mischief happening on Halloween night. And some towns started this civic practice to keep an eye on the youth. Did they, A, start doing Halloween parades? B, abolish Halloween altogether in their towns? C, decide that trick-or-treating should be done with a police escort? Or D, start having haunted houses available in communities for kids to be in one place and doing something? This one, I'm not actually sure that I know. I would say parades because America mm-hmm. loves a parade. But yeah, that would, I don't think they would abolish it altogether. I think they would just do curfews or something like that. Interesting. Well, though, you know, they're all, even now in, in the modern age, every, every so many years, someone gets up in arms about trick or treating and tries to reconfigure how it's done. Uh, a lot of like when I was a kid growing up, we would go out trick or treating at night, which is always like still mm-hmm. very prevalent in films and things. Mm-hmm. But a lot of trick or treating happens uh, earlier and earlier. Like in yeah, in I, mean, daylight. I, mean, I hear yeah. now like there are some events where parents just park in a parking lot and they do like what? trick or trunk or something, where like everyone has candy in their trunk and you go around and it's safer than having to walk all around a neighborhood. I appreciate safety, but it does sound a little depressing. Yeah. I feel like we're letting the terrorists grab win. it into a trunk. Yeah, <laughs> but. I mean, I also saw there's a petition to effectively change Halloween to Saturday. Yeah, there's. Well, I, I think that what they tr- they kind of landed on with that is that they want that Saturday to be trick or treat day. Mm-hmm. But uh, because people were like were very up in arms, you can't move Halloween. Yeah. 
I still, you know what, whatever. I mean, I don't, I don't think you should move Halloween. Because, no. And my rebuttal is always when people say, well, who cares? Just like make Halloween a floating date. I'm like, let's make Christmas a floating mm-hmm. date then. And then that always shuts them down. That's, a, that's an excellent argument. I don't know, Julian. What do you think? I think I'm going to go with the parades as well. You're right again. Seven for seven. (laughs) Halloween parades. It just feels like a very like communal, like Americana way Mm -hmm. of of trying to solve a problem. Because you know what mischievous bad kids really want? A parade. Is a parade. Yeah, absolutely. That was that was gonna solve that. That always like in my terrible teenage years, whenever I was just like, I'm gonna go cause some trouble. Wait, a parade. Now you're talking. (laughs) Maybe uh, maybe the the Shriners are gonna drive those little cars. I can't miss this. So (laughs) done. So Anoka, Minnesota, the hometown of Garrison Keillor and Gretchen Carlson. So winners oh, in that Jesus town. Yes. <laughs> Dubbed itself oh the Halloween God. capital of the world and was one of the first towns in the country to host a Halloween parade. And they started theirs in 1920 to keep the kids off the street and stop vandalizing, stop TPing our houses. Coming to you live from <laughs> historic downtown. <laughs> of course, adult supervision of trick-or-treaters didn't make Halloween feel safe for long. No. Fears of poisoned candy have plagued the parents of trick-or-treaters for a while, but I think especially the, there was a craze starting in the late 70s going mm-hmm. forward through the 80s mm-hmm. um, and 90s because I remember being a kid in the 90s and it was still like very much like a, yeah. you know, it, might, it could be poison. You know, parents, check the candy. So here's the next question, number eight. Approximately how many children have been killed by poison candy oh, given to dark. them by strangers during Halloween? And this is not a cozy question. None. Michael's got it. Zero. That's never happened. <laughs> it's never happened. Wow. The only kids on documented record who have ever been killed by tainted candy, it was given to them by their parents. That's right. Who were trying to kill them for insurance money. Which isn't it, you know, I think the beauty wow. of Halloween is that there this. is a certain element, especially trick-or-treating, you trust strangers. Yes. And it's a really community day. And that's what I love about Halloween. I, mean, I love a lot of things about Halloween, but I also love that. We just trust, we give food to one another. We trust that it's going to be safe. And it usually is. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, speaking of very non-cozy things, sort of the rise of the idea that there was wickedness lurking next door that was going to put uh, razor blades or poison yes, into your candy. Yes, razor blades. Uh, this, it, it, it's very much kind of in line with with uh, the rise of urban myths and urban yeah. legends that happen in Americana and the idea of, you know, making you fear the things that live in your neighborhood to kind of keep everybody in line. And a lot of a lot of times it was based on things that weren't true. And I especially the kind of uh, murderous neighbors and and trick or treating. Uh, I always view as sort of akin to the satanic panic that happened in the 80s, where uh, there was this narrative that was being sown in small town America that people were were suddenly worshiping the devil secretly, Mm, and there was like a cultism. But it was never actually proven to be true. When Mm -hmm. I was a kid living in Colorado, I remember uh, uh, my parents' friends at the end of the 80s, they were convinced that like dark black masses were happening outside of town because they had heard this was happening all over America and kids were disappearing and, and pets were disappearing. We lived in a small town. If kids and pets were actually disappearing, we would know. Yeah, you'd have heads but, like, up. I remember a story on 2020 that took that very seriously. Geraldo did a whole hour... Spe- I, I have it somewhere because it's one of the greatest hours of television that one Geraldo ever did because he did very little that is worthwhile. Uh, but also in terms of just sensationalist news where he wandered around trying to convince the world that like the devil had come to like Minnesota or whatever. And it was great because 
you could see they were so alarmed by it and the people they were talking to just couldn't believe how dumb it was. There'd be these sequences where Geraldo's like, like, you know, the mall of America talking to like a kid in a black t-shirt and he's like, do you worship the devil? And the kid would be like, who's this man with a mustache? (laughs) So he'd just be like, sure man, whatever. And then there you have it. (laughs) The children listening to the Iron Maiden. I need to find this episode. It's amazing. There's this in the 90s in my town, there's this, quote unquote satanic killing of teens, but they were just on drugs. But the reason why it caught fire was because one of the kids said, Say you love Satan as he was killing them. But obviously <sighs> it's just they're just, you know, kids on drugs and they the- murdered each other and that was it. But it was a huge thing. They did a documentary because it was that idyllic, perfect, you know, town. And so that I think that was a big part of that that culture and that that story and um Forgot who? Oh yeah, Rolling Stone did a whole th- thing on it. It's just it, there's a it was a huge culture back then, and also it led to people being jailed. Yeah, it's interesting. Too. It, it, it's sort of like a modern day uh, witch hunt in in a way, like the actual definition of the term, um, as opposed to you know what certain people in political power want to use it for. Uh, and you know, not to veer too far into to that serious territory, but this is you know the the work that I do and the kind of uh, analysis of horror. Uh, there, anytime there's a rise of something like that in society, it always mirrors something that's culturally going on. Mm-hmm. So the idea that uh, there is this fear of of people using trick or treat, this idea that it's a dark and scary holiday for people to do dark and scary things, uh, it, it, as well as the idea of the satanic panic uh, moment of the '80s and the idea that there's this narrative being sowed, like, well, how well do you really know your neighbors? Is, is, is sort of rooted in this idea that people in power encouraged that. You know, they were like, oh, well, things were going well, so we, we always need a common enemy mm-hmm. or something to fear to bring us all together. So why not the devil? And of course, the government's going to make you want to worry about the devil so that you're not paying attention to what Ronald Reagan's doing yeah. or whatever. And it was, uh, it's just very interesting that the, these moments in time are sort of like, let's, let's get everyone stoked up about this. So they're not paying attention to this. Yeah. And uh, it's happened throughout history. Uh, fear is catharsis, but fear is also distraction a lot of times, too. There's a great documentary called Hail Satan. I love that mark. documentary, yeah. Um, I, I highly recommend watching it for like a, a really great analysis of Satanism in the United States and, and the fact that it doesn't really exist, but like in, it, when it, in, in the way that it does exist, what it's actually trying to do right. is not what people, a lot of people know or expect. So I, I recommend watching that if you can get a hold of it. Again, I love Halloween because you can trust your neighbor. However, yes. my next question is oh. a little bit alarming, but keep in mind how many trick-or-treaters go out every year and, you know, how much of this really is happening. But number nine. Okay. According to Snopes, about how many times have sharp objects adulterating food? How long? How, how many times has that been reported on Halloween? Hmm. Do, you, do you want the multiple choice questions, or do you want to go? I think multiple them? choice. Yeah, give us some because I I knew the the poison one. Let's uh let's hear the. Okay, I might throw you for this one. A six, mm-hmm. B sixty, C six hundred, D six thousand. I'm gonna go with the higher number because. It's like a trick question. Also, I remember when I was little, everyone was talking about the razor blades. I feel like I remember some instances where there were being razor blades. Maybe not 6,000. I remember instances in films with razor blades and candy. I would say either... 
I'm gonna go with a happy medium. We might we might 16? be well. We've we've already got like you got to come to a consensus. You're yeah, playing what, together. All right, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Jillian pick the answer on this one. So it's because either, I I don't know. I, I this is one I have no. It's idea. either six sixty six hundred six sixty six hundred six thousand. I'm gonna say sixty. You're right. It's sixty. <gasps> Approximately sixty. Fifty nine yeah. to be exact. Since the late fifties. So considering how long a period we're talking, very rare. It's never caused actual harm. Right. There's been no actual reported, like, I'm injured because of this. But you, um, you need to it, look at your candy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially giving you some random and apples. In most cases, if it makes you feel any better, the majority of those cases were family members doing that for a prank. Oh, my God. It wasn't actually. It gets reported to the police, and they find out later, oh, yeah, Uncle Bob did it. Uncle of course, Bob. Uncle Bob. But it was funny. But could have put, and, and also, it's usually needles, not razor blades. Well, that's, they're easier to get yeah, in. Yeah, they're easy, easier to get in. We have one more question. The which final round. Oh, we really have to get this one. Get we do. In. Oh, my God. Yeah, it would be perfect. So now the, the goal is like, can you get a perfect score? All well, right. now I'm, I'm nervous. nervous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I really thought I would throw you for some of these, but clearly not. Uh, speaking of candy, in a, in a more cozy way, um, chocolate is the most popular Halloween candy. So right now, um, in 2018, the most popular Halloween candy was Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Sure. According to Time Magazine, whatever. If you removing all the chocolate options, because chocolate just is like supreme. Everything is chocolate for most of the list. Mm-hmm. After question number ten, after chocolate, what is the second most popular type of candy? Is it A candy corn, B Skittles, C Tootsie Pops, or D Starburst? This is going to be tough, and it might be the one that derails us. Uh, candy corn is very divisive. I do know, however, there are 35 million pounds of candy corn sold a year. <laughs> and there was a Someone survey. Someone came prepared to the Halloween history episode. <laughs> well, there also was a survey done recently about uh, yeah America's favorite candy, and people were up in arms that candy corn made the list. I don't know. I don't know how high it was on the list. Though. But candy corn, uh, well, this is where I'll just offer my piece of Halloween oh, history. Yeah. Uh, candy corn actually began uh, in the 18... It was first made in 1880. Mm-hmm. And the recipe has not changed because Whoa. it is literally wax and high fructose corn syrup. Um, but it was originally called chicken feed until it was rebranded it's as like candy corn. Kernels, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, it increases in popularity every year. Uh, and the last approximate average was 35 million pounds of candy corn were sold a year. That's wild. Just because people, it's a seasonal treat. Yeah, because yeah. a lot of people love to hate on it, but it's some people are eating it. Yeah. To me, it's pure nostalgia because it just reminds right. me of being a kid. Because yeah. I don't, I don't want to speak for anyone else, but I only ate it when I was a kid. It also it, looks good in a bowl. It, it looks great in a bowl. It's very decorative. You can leave it in open air and it never goes bad. That's right. It's a little <laughs> alarming, to be honest. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't think it's as bad as people make it out to be. It's not... I mean... I don't really mind the taste. We could be wrong on this, but I feel like just because it's the only Halloween candy on the list, I just want to say candy corn. And I think it's a trick question, too, because people think it's not popular. Right. Well, I'm, we're going to say candy corn. Perfect score, candy <laughs> corn. <laughs> yeah, it's the second most popular candy. And it, it's interesting, people are like, we don't like candy corn, but it really is like, there's so much of it is made and sold every mm-hmm. year. Like, clearly, we're loving candy corn and don't want to admit yeah. it. Right. Dirty it's like secret. It's like Bravo reality shows. Everyone acts superior, but people are watching them. I'm rolling around the mud. I don't, <laughs> I'm like that. that I'm, I openly love all my housewives, my southern charms. Candy corn. Oh my gosh. What about the real housewives of Halloween? When will that happen? I don't know. Let's, Ooh. Michael, make it happen. There you I'm go. Yeah, it. please. 
All right, so I actually, I don't know why I did two tiebreaker questions. I can't count, evidently, and so I made 11 questions. No, I made 12 questions. Like, there were two number 10s for some reason. I don't, know, I don't know what was going on today. Just really quickly, let's see if you can keep this perfect score going for two more questions. Right, okay. but we already have a perfect score. Yeah, so this is not going to taint it, because I... Oh, it will. Uh, okay, no. so... T- <laughs> fine, you, you, you've an officially a perfect score. Okay, good. Let's see if you can get a bonus perfect score. Sure. Okay, 12 out of 10. Turning our attention to costumes... What was the most popular Halloween costume in 2018? In 2018. Can you get it without mm, oh, I, multiple choice? Or do I you want the multiple mul- choice? I need the choice. All right. It was A, unicorn, B, characters from Fortnite, C, witch, or D, Pennywise the clown? It was Pennywise the clown. No. I don't play the Fortnite, so I don't know what that, that I is. I think Fortnite's very, very popular, but I don't think it would be popular enough to be the most popular costume. Also, Unicorn feels like it could be a good choice mm-hmm. because that feels like... It's an easy... Well, because they make Unicorn good. jammies, and they're those like kind of... Yeah, I don't want to discourage anyone's Halloween costume, but there is uh, some people who do not uh, put any effort in. And if they can, <laughs> yeah, and if that's they what can I'm wear like a onesie mm-hmm. and be like, I'm a unicorn. That makes sense. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna let you answer this Getting one. Some onesie hate. On okay, the- <laughs> so we got Pennywise, we have Fortnite, we have the Unicorn, and what else? Which? I actually feel like Pennywise would have been more popular in 2017 when the first. It, oh, 2018 though. Yeah, 2018. Yeah. Yeah, when the when the first chapter came out. I don't know. Oh, that's a tough one. I'm still gonna go. I I I trust the Unicorn thing because it just seems. We're easy. going with Unicorn. Sure. I finally stumped you. It's Fortnite. Damn it. According oh, to Time Magazine, again, I don't know why Time is the Halloween catalog. Between Time and Mental Floss. Like it's those so are the two popular, but are... I was only factoring in kids. I, I wasn't really... Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I, don't, I mean, I know what Fortnite is objectively, like in the world. Like, I know how it's spelled because I see it on Twitter. I, I do I have know. questions about how they formulated that. Yeah. Yeah. Answer. I don't know if it's just Google searches. Well, you know what? If, if that's the correct answer, though, that's cool. Like, uh, I'm glad that gamers are getting their, their spooky on. So, yeah, there you go. So, you still technically have a perfect score, but let's even get maybe one more okay. bonus point. Here's, right. here's the final question Which of the following state laws related to Halloween is not real? Okay. You ready? Mm-hmm. Yes. A. In Rehoboth, Delaware, you can't celebrate Halloween if it falls on a Sunday without potentially facing a fine. B. In Alabama, you can't dress like a priest on Halloween or any other day without risking arrest. That's actually true. Oh. C, in Hollywood, California, the sale and possession of silly string is banned from midnight on October 31st until noon on November 1st. If you're caught with a can, you may be fined up to $1,000. I don't even know where to buy silly string any other time. (laughs) Yeah, $1,000 seems extreme to me. Silly string seemed huge when we were kids, but I haven't seen it for a while. Is it still being made? What's going on with the Silly String Industrial Complex? They've silenced Silly String. (laughs) D, in Chesterfield, Missouri, you are not allowed to wear a corset with your costume or any other day unless you want to potentially pay a $200 fine. That doesn't seem like a thing. Wait, so these are, like, which one's not real? Which one's not a real law? Well, the Alabama one I know is real because I've read it before. Um, So you have A is, so we're ruling out B. Okay. A is in Rehoboth, you can't celebrate Halloween if it falls on a Sunday. C, in Hollywood, California, no silly string. D, Missouri, no corsets ever. Ever. I mean, in this town in, in Chesterfield. I yeah. feel like the Sunday thing is very, because there are still dry counties and places in the world because of Sunday stuff. And I'm really skirting around saying, you know, religious issues. But, um, 
don't know, Julian. What do you think? I I honestly don't think A is. I think A is not true because I think it's there's some partying going on. Wow, stereotyping. <laughs> so Rehoboth is known for being no, a, a gay party destination. I just don't think and that Julian they would put up with that. I don't think they put up. I mean, I there wouldn't. Are prudish gay people. Gay person, I can. So I, I think I'd want to party. <laughs> well, you whispered it. Way to be loud and proud. Julian. Yeah, yeah, I'm proud. <laughs> Anyways, I don't think that's it. Okay, I'll I'll back up Julian on this because I don't know. We're so. gonna go with A. Yeah, that's also incorrect. That's true. The, oh, actually, all sorry, of these, I led you astray. All of these are real, except for D was the was the answer because actually it's Maryville. Missouri, not Chesterfield, Missouri, but the law is real. You can't have corsets. Which seems like a liberating law. I feel like that should be a law everywhere. (laughs) That was a toughie. Um, hmm? That was a toughie. That was finally a a tough one. But they had to be the the bonus round questions. That's right. We reviewed some Halloween history. We had a little fun. Did we? Did you both get to share your piece of Halloween trivia that you prepared? I, with I you? did. Yeah, and I talked a little bit about candy corn and how it was called chicken feed. <laughs> um, so I'll just share my last bit of Halloween trivia, since you two already shared yours during the the quiz, which is not even really an interesting piece of trivia. Which is that? Did you know that Vanilla Ice was born on Halloween? I did not. No. Very important day. Do you know who I'm saying? That's kind of yeah. That those are that's what I prepared for my. I put so much time onto the quiz, which I thought was going to stump you. But so, was there anything else that you wanted to think is is worth mentioning while we're here discussing the haunted history of Halloween? No, I think that you know, from candy corn to jack o' lanterns, we did it all. Yeah, popular rap star of the nineties. <laughs> we we um, hit all our beats. The spookiest thing to come out of the holiday. Yeah, uh, well, I'll t- oh, here's one, you know, for horror movie enthusiasts that I'm sure uh, horror fans know, but maybe cozy listeners don't. Uh, the original title of John Carpenter's 1978 classic Halloween was going to be The Babysitter Murders until he was convinced to otherwise name it after the holiday on which it was set. And Which is the right history. choice. Correct. Yep. Yeah, now it's become basically synonymous with the, ho- the holiday. Indeed. I hope you learned something about Halloween from that quiz. I hope you learned something more than Jillian and Michael learned because who just completely aced that quiz. That's all to Michael. Without breaking well, a sweat. That's all the credits do. I learned a lot researching it. Now I feel like wh- wh- everyone else is walking around with all this Halloween knowledge and I'm like furiously researching for six hours just to come up with some with 10 questions. I mean, I don't know that everyone's walking around with this. It's just like <laughs> it's all that I live for. So yeah. Part of my research was watching an old... Um, History Channel documentary of a DVD I found in a bargain bin for a dollar. Oh, wow. And it was so great because their sources were a Druid priestess and Garrison Keeler, which is how I got the the parade stuff. And uh, it's like, these are your Halloween experts. This, this, <laughs> it's strange. Yeah, Garrison Keeler seems like a very odd choice. Yeah. Um, I will reveal now, after the, the quiz, now that the quiz is done, um, I had hosted for a period of time for Skybound, the company that produces Walking Dead. I did a series for them called The History of Fright. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the episodes was all about the history of Halloween. So I you know, did an on-air episode where I discussed most of the things that we talked about. And uh, even though it was a, a while ago, and uh, you know, there were multiple episodes and lots of other material that I did, uh, you know, the information kind of just stayed in the back of my brain. I don't know that I actively think about it, but you brought it up and it jar- it brought it all back. I knew that going into it. You <laughs> you I knew you would have had to have done something, but 
I hope at least our listeners learned a thing or two or at least um, had some fun. It's time now for our fortune-telling game. In Halloween parties, especially in the 20s and 30s, fortune-telling parlor games were very popular. A lot of them related to finding your next partner or mm. the, the, the love of your life. Usually it seems like they were staged, like somebody would like hide in a corner and like, oh, in the mirror, I see the guy that I told to be there. But a, a few of them are, are a little bit more random and fun. And so you have two options. You can pick which one you want to go with and who's going to do it. Okay. So the first option is umancy. I hope I'm saying that right. It's, it's the um, art of telling the future through eggs. Okay. Aumancy, um, I think it's umancy, or it's, it's O-O-M-A-N-C-Y, mm-hmm. which, I mean, okay, so if you're, if you're like me and you play a lot of World of Warcraft or Dungeons and Dragons, you're well-versed in necromancers, and so I love the idea of an umancer character in D&D or... <laughs> Who just does egg witchcraft. Just egg witchcraft, yeah. Right. Anyway, so with that fortune-telling game, we would read the egg whites in a glass of water, and they should... Um, as the veil is thinning between our worlds, our world and the spirit world, it should be able to spell the initials of the person you'll spend the rest of your life with. Oh. Evidently, the, the girls of Salem are doing that. Um, Umancy um, was part oh, of the yeah, stuff yeah. that was causing all the issues. So a, a long history of causing problems. All right. And then the candle game, um, which is a fortune-telling game in which one person is blindfolded, spun around. There are three candles. One indicates love and romance. One means uh, money, and the other one means travel. Uh-huh. And so whichever one you blow out, that's going to happen your next year. You're going to get, get fall into money, you're going to travel, or you're going to um, find love. Do you want to do the candle game, or do you want to do some umancy? What do you think, Jillian? I'm down for some umancy. What do you think? All right, let's, uh, let's get egg, eggy. All right, so yeah. we're going to get eggy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm going to prepare a glass of water and an egg, and we'll be right back. Great. So we're back, and now there's an egg and a glass of water on the table. <laughs> there, there very much is. And it's your choice. We picked the umancy. Who's going to have their fortune told by the egg? I say the guest of honor. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Michael's going to have his fortune told. So the way this works, Michael, is you're going to have to break the egg, but very gently, so that only three drops oh. of egg white fall into the water. Good thing I'm the way it's supposed to work is the egg white's supposed to form the in, an initial of the person, either the first or the last name, okay. that you will fall in love with or are in love with. That's one way. Another way, though, is classic umancy doesn't seem to be about letters, but more reading shapes, okay. kind of like reading tea leaves. So we can also maybe infer some shapes that are appearing that might tell you about your, your future. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. I'm going to set the microphone down and get to all egg. Right, so cracking. I'm going. So Mike, I'm well, Michael's cracking. I'm going to just hold the microphone for him. I'm going to narrate. <laughs> Michael's scooting over to the table right. and picking up the egg. I'm very nervous. <laughs> <laughs> all right. It's cracked. And so try to drop just three. I got one. Gravity is taking hold. All right. Gravity is taking hold. We have a big glob of egg white just kind of dangling. <laughs> It's like a snot. <laughs> I don't know what this means about your future, Michael. Is that, is that would you say that's a drop or like a deluge of egg white? Well, right now it just looks kind of like a long strand. <laughs> okay. Another egg? <laughs> Wait. 
There's like at least three bits in there. Okay, so you have three bits. So we can put the egg back down on the on the, the napkin. <laughs> so what do we see? Um, it's like kind of long. So there's a long string of egg white in the water. So Michael's not satisfied with the amount of egg white. Are you going to add some more? I'm going to. Well, because I think it was all just part of one big globby. Yeah. What's funny is that it's just like one long glob of egg white that just really will not. Maybe because this isn't a fresh egg okay. and maybe being f- refrigerated is keeping it a little bit too. It's not letting it's not lending itself to proper umancy. Oh, wait, there's look, there's enough in here. What do we OK, see? there's enough in here. I saw. Yeah, maybe as it goes down. I saw a Y. A Y? Yeah. Why not? A Y wing. You're going to see Star Wars in December. I am going to see Star Wars in December. Uh, It's been kind of like, it's almost like long, long strands where it like hooks at the end, like a cane, like an old man's cane. So maybe it's like a candy cane. Maybe, maybe my time for romance is is Christmas once Halloween calms down. I I, I love that reading. You're, you're, you're gifted in umancy. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, We love a little egg magic. (laughs) Yeah, you, see, you know, actually doing some umancy, I can appreciate the craft because it's very difficult. It's difficult to crack the egg. Yeah, and it's interesting because some of it sinks to the bottom and there are other bits of egg that just kind of like hover suspended in the middle of the glass and they kind of keep changing shape. So I could see how you could infer different things. Um, although I do like my candy cane prognostication, to be honest. <laughs> um, you will have a candy cane this Christmas. Yes. I, I like that. The egg has seen it. <laughs> How about lesson learned? No refrigerated eggs. No, yeah, I would say use fresh eggs first of yes. all. So you can get a nice drop. I saw another thing where, like, if you rub an egg on a pregnant woman's belly and you completely crack it open, the, the, the state of the yolk will determine, like, if it's going to be a single baby, single baby, a t- twins, or, or more. Right? If you have like cool. a double yolk, it's going to be twins. So, egg magic. Egg magic, yeah. yeah. We we have been oomancers tonight. We have. Thank you for playing some old Halloween parlor trick games, or just one, I guess. I feel like I uh, I, I dabbled. Yeah, yeah. something's in the air. Yes. I would say from from performing some magic in the room. I feel like I'm a little worried about going to bed tonight because I feel like we've. Well, I'm going home. Some so well, <laughs> welcome yeah. some spirits into the space. Well, speaking of something in the air, it's time for our candle review. Yes, we're currently burning. A Yankee Candle Halloween scent called Haunted Hayride. I believe it's existed in the past, but it was called new, but I think they reformulated it for this Halloween season. The notes, in terms of what the scent is supposed to be like, they describe it as an aromatic, woody scent that opens with a purifying charcoal accord and warming spice notes of black pepper and nutmeg. Well, whatever those notes combined to be, I like it. I like it too. I'm I'm kind of becoming nose blind to it. I th- I, th- I feel like I think it's very subtle. It's very subtle. Yeah, it's not one of those uh, candle scents that's overwhelming. No, uh, in in that way, I don't know that it's overly seasonal because yeah. I, I do like a spicier autumn scent when I fi- when I hit a room. Yeah, with an autumn candle. Yeah, I I don't necessarily think it reminds me of a hayride per se, but I like it. Yeah, I'm just getting more like a it's a it's a nice mineral scent. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely yeah. getting like kind of a charcoal to it. Like it's it's sort of like a clean rock scent. Yeah, I, I I've smelled a lot of rocks in my time, and this is definitely a rock scent. Can't complain. Can't complain. I, I would say, and also I think when a Yankee Candle is subtle, that's something almost to commend about it because they're almost never subtle. Fair. So, how many wicks would we give this candle? I'd give it one because it 
seems like it has a nice burn. Yeah. And it's it's subtle. I really don't like overpowering candles anyway, so. This is a one for me as well. I'm going to give it a wick too. It's, it's close to being a half wick because I agree it's not quite giving me a haunted hayride. Right. But maybe it is giving me a nice like nighttime walk through the woods in the fall. Yeah. Through yeah. the rock quarry. <laughs> All right, well, that about does it for our spooky Halloween episode. Ooh. I can't believe it's already over. I know. Thank and you. <laughs> thank you so much, Michael, for being our master of ceremonies year after year. <laughs> well, it is a joy to return, and uh, hopefully, you know, in uh, another year, I'll be back for some more uh, haunting. Absolutely. And so, first of all, make sure you check out the show that Michael worked on, Dragula. It's on Amazon Prime right now, or you can. Sh- Buy it on Amazon. You can, where else can you find Dragula? Uh, you can find uh, Dragula also on iTunes. And if you live internationally, it is on Out TV in okay. certain territories. Awesome. And where else can people keep up with you online? Uh, well, right now, Dead for Filth is on hiatus, but we have 90 back episodes that you should be checking out. So you can uh, find Dead for Filth, the podcast for all things queer, horror, and beyond wherever podcasts are to be found. Uh, I also have a new Halloween-oriented short film that is debuting on October 30th on Deku. It's called A Halloween Trick, uh, and it is a spooky story that was sort of inspired by my love of Tales from the Crypt and EC Comics, but with my own little spin on things. Uh, I've got stuff all over the place causing trouble, but yeah, those are those are the things to keep an eye out for that are seasonal and make sense. So Dragula on Amazon, uh, Halloween Trick on Deku, Dead for Filth, wherever your ear holes can find it. So. <laughs> Congratulations, everything you got Thank going you. on. When Michael came in, I was like, you're the Santa of Halloween, and <laughs> yeah. proof, he really is. So we're really honored to have the Santa of Halloween on our show. Um, thank you. Thank, thank you, you for making yeah, the time for us. Thank you so much. Every, every Halloween season, every Samhain. Jillian, are there any updates around listeners, like reviews, or did you notice anything? No, no, up, no, updates, <laughs> no updates, but, All right. but, but lovely um, group activity people are submitting and participating in our All Things Cozy podcast group on Facebook, which is always nice to see. And yeah, getting a lot of love there. So join the group, tell your friends to join, and leave us a review. You know where to find us? At All Things Cozy Podcast. We're on Facebook. We have a Facebook group. Instagram. We're both individually on Twitter. Catch us if you can. But most importantly, listeners, have a happy Halloween. Bye.